You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? The following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Futinski. Welcome to another episode of the Herd and Ten podcast. This is part of the network, which you can find on bicbp-radio.com. I'm your host, Jake Fertinsky. You can find me on a new username account, which is the letter J Fortinsky NFL. So at J Fortinsky. NFL. You can also check out the Herd and Ten's dedicated Twitter and Facebook pages at Herd and Ten. So another week down, and we're another week closer to the NFL season actually beginning. What a feeling that is. <laughs> I say this all the time, but as a diehard fan, and I call myself that because that's what I am. This is unreal to believe, to think that there's actually a season happening and that it's now only about a week away. That is an incredible, incredible feeling. I'm sure all of you are excited as well, as excited or more excited than I am, although I don't know how much more excited you could be. But for this episode, we actually have a guest on shortly But before that, I just wanted to take a time to do some housekeeping, talk about um, a couple topics related to the Bills and also more so um, the NFL and what we should expect and um, sort of when the season begins and and that kind of thing. So I just want to take a moment to look at some news that has happened around the league that I think is at least relevant to the Bills. And I, I feel like it's important for me to at least note it as um, the guests that I bring on, we're going to talk about a couple specific topics. So for me, I just want to take this time before that to talk about a few other things. So if you're living under a rock, um, well, no, unless you're living under a rock, I'm sure you've heard that the Jaguars running back Leonard Fournette was actually cut. Now, what's interesting there is he was the main running back in Jacksonville. They drafted him fourth overall, I believe in the 2017 NFL draft. And he was quite productive in his time there. Um, I guess it's a little surprising that he was cut just because he was, like I said, pretty productive. Pulling some stats here, in the three seasons that he played with the Jags, 
played 36 regular season games, rushed 666 times for just over 2,600 yards, which averages out to about four yards a carry, which is formidable. It's solid. And then he also tallied up 17 touchdowns and 134 receptions for just over 1,000 yards and a couple more receiving touchdowns. So um, not a lot of touchdowns in three seasons. I don't think that that's particularly impressive. But I think that the yards are impressive. I think it shows that he can do a little bit of everything. You're probably wondering, why is Jake spending any time talking about Leonard Fournette when the Bills are loaded in running backs? They have rookie Zach Moss, second-year player Devin Singletary. You know, some other guys that may be okay as backups. Um, TJ Yeldon. They brought back an undrafted free agent in Antonio Williams. They have Taiwan Jones, who's really more there for special teams, but he is a running back nonetheless. So the Bills running back or backfield is quite loaded. So why am I talking about Fournette? Well, because I feel like you can never have enough running backs. There are a lot of injuries in the backfield in most seasons. So to you know, go into the 2020 NFL season and be super confident that the Bills are going to be healthy and good no matter what, I think is, is a little ridiculous. I think we should always be trying to add the best players that we can. Is our running back's core really impressive? Yeah. Do we not really have a lot of, you know, touches left to give around to a guy like Fournette? Probably. But what if someone goes down? What if Zach Moss, you know, is really good and goes down? Or Devin Singletary gets injured? Or neither of them play as well as we're hoping? Wouldn't it be nice to have another guy who we know what he brings to the table? We know he's a solid running back. We know he has the ability to break plays open and scamper for 50 yards. We also know that he can work in the trenches. He can get you a one-yard, two-yard gain when it's third down. He's a guy that can run right down the middle, bruise some bodies. And that's probably why he's not going to be as good as he was when he first entered the league. He plays a little too physical. His running style is not ideal for longevity. It's good for production for a short period of time. And I don't think he's at the end of his career, but he certainly doesn't have a lot left in the tank, truthfully. He's had a few really good years, but his physical play is going to wear him down. But I still think he'd be great to add. Unfortunately, I feel like I'm talking about this, but it's just hot air. I don't know if the Bills are going to do anything like that. I mean... If you could sign Leonard Fournette, though, to like a one-year prove-it deal, maybe you give him, you know, a couple million dollars, two, three million dollars. I actually wouldn't mind that. I think that would be fine. Some of you might disagree with that. And if you do, send me a message. Tweet me at the Herd Intends accounts or tweet me at my Twitter account. Challenge me. Give me a reason why they shouldn't sign him if they can get him for two, three million dollars on a one-year deal. 
And if he's not good, so what? So we blew two, three million. I don't think it's that different than Brian Winters, who still might not play. We don't know exactly where he's at. So I feel like a guy like Leonard Fournette could be excellent. Even if he doesn't play much, just have him there stashed away in case you have injuries and you want to bring him in. Or if you want him as a veteran presence, I mean, I don't know if he's the greatest veteran to have there just because we know he's had some locker room issues and that's probably partly the reason why he was let go by the Jaguars. But I'm pretty confident in the Bills' management and they seem to be able to get guys to play their best football. And I feel like they could get Fournette to do that too, which is why I would love to see them bring him in. On a small deal, it's one year, and if he's not good, then you don't have him next year. And if he's good, maybe you keep him and you sign him again, or he walks and goes somewhere else, and at least you got some good production out of him. Like I said, stash him away for injuries. I I don't see a reason not to. You know, unless the, the personality clash is so strong... I feel like it would make perfect sense to bring a guy like Fournette in. But look, I don't know what management's going to do. I don't run the bills, but I have my opinions, and that's what I think. I feel like he'd be a good fit. I feel like he'd be a nice addition, and I don't think it would cost the team a whole lot. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. He has cleared waivers. Um, At this point of this recording... Yeah, he cleared waivers, but he has not been signed anywhere. And as far as I can tell, reading news, I have seen that even the Patriots, which I think a lot of people thought would be the front runner to land Fournette, apparently are not interested. Don't know if that's true or not, but that's what's out there. That's what's floating around on the internet. So... All I know is he is currently available and I feel like it would be worthwhile to take a look at him. Another thing I want to note, and this is something I'm going to go into a little more with our guest um, shortly, but it's just the fact that Antonio Williams, the undrafted free agent who was let go, has now been re-signed. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if it's because of Taiwan Jones and his injury. I don't know if it's because they actually think he can make the team or if he's just simply there as another option for the next little bit and he might get cut by Saturday. Um, so we'll go into more detail with my guest, but I just want to at least mention that he was brought back. Another thing to note, Reggie Gilliam. He's been fighting for the fullback position with Patrick DeMarco who's a solid veteran, but I would say making too much money for that type of position, especially from the production that we've gotten from him, which in my opinion is very minimal. I feel like a guy like Gilliam would save us money. And from what I've heard from training camp, from what the media has provided in video form, which is quite limited, but still more than nothing, Gilliam looks really good. He looks like he can actually make some catches out of the backfield, maybe even run some deeper routes from the slot position. I feel like he's he's he can do some of the things that DeMarco can do blocking-wise, but has a little more of a receiving ability than DeMarco. So I think it would make sense to keep him around. 
and cut DeMarco. Save that money. So for those of you who don't know, cut day is Saturday, September, I believe it's the 5th. And that is 4 p.m. So 4 p.m. Eastern time, teams have the ability or have to make their cuts to get their rosters down to 53 men. So as of this recording, the Bills haven't made any cuts, but Saturday I'm sure is going to be a busy day, and it's I think going to be a chance for some of you to be pissed off or super excited. Um, I know there's some guys out there that are that are working hard on the Bills squad to make it, and there's a lot of you who have some favorites. Obviously, Gabe Davis has been a favorite in the receiving core. I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to make the team. I think there's probably some question marks regarding Isaiah Hodgins. I personally think he's locked in just because he was drafted this year and I think he still brings something unique at six foot four. But I think some of you might be upset to hear that Duke Williams might be gone and that maybe Reggie Gilliam won't make the team. Again, I hope he does. And I want to note and this is really what I wanted to get to about Reggie Gilliam is not only, okay, so I think he'd be better in the fullback spot than DeMarco. I think the team could save some money. But what's really interesting is the team has actually changed his number to 86 and he is now listed as a tight end. That to me is very interesting. Does that mean Reggie Gilliam might make it on the team as a tight end, even though he entered as a fullback? And if that's the case, who's on the outside looking in? Is it Lee Smith? Oh, I hope it's Lee Smith. I, I don't I don't want to see Lee Smith anymore in a Bills uniform. I've said this before. I don't think Lee Smith belongs in the NFL. And if someone does think he belongs in the NFL, I just hope it's not on the Bills. Let him sign elsewhere. Cut bait with him. I'm sick and tired of seeing his false starts. We don't need him. We don't need a third tight end who's really meant to be a blocker who can't block because he takes so many penalties he ends up getting pulled off the field. So if Reggie Gilliam was moved to the tight end spot because they're cutting Lee Smith, I'm down for that. And if Reggie Gilliam performs really well and maybe even still then inserts himself back into the fullback position and they can cut DeMarco too, ha, that would be wonderful. I mean, maybe they're thinking of keeping Gilliam as sort of a utility player that can play fullback and tight end and keeping Jason Kroom and cutting Lee Smith and cutting Patrick DeMarco. That would be very interesting to me. Not just interesting. I think it would be smart. I would like that. I think Jason Kroom is a solid tight end. I think he's shown that he can be a good receiving threat. And I know that a third slash fourth tight end is not usually there for receiving. But if he can do that, wouldn't it be amazing to have another weapon? Especially if you know one of your top tight ends were to go down. Let's say Knox somehow got injured. If Dawson Knox went down, you're going to need a tight end that can step in that's really good at receiving. Obviously, you have Tyler Croft, but maybe you have another option in Jason Kroom. I don't think that would be so bad. 
and who knows, maybe Gilliam as well. Given that he moved positions, he's obviously shown a receiving ability that's quite unique and special that they would actually move him from fullback to tight end. Maybe I'm overthinking this. I probably am. Like most Bills fans, I analyze everything. And sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I come from way out in left field and it makes no sense. And you guys, ladies too, whoever listens to this, you might hate some of the things I say. You might not agree at all. Or you might love what I'm saying and you agree. But you're here and you're listening because... You want to hear my opinion, whether you agree or disagree. You want to just hear what I'm thinking. And that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Gilliam could make it as a tight end and play fullback and sort of rotate as needed. And I could see Lee Smith getting cut and maybe even Patrick DeMarco getting cut, ideally. I think that could happen. Next thing I want to talk about here, I just I have the notes in front of me because sometimes, you know, with housekeeping, I want to make sure I'm covering everything before I bring on my guest. I want to make sure that I've covered all the relevant news um, and that you all have that relevant news now and have my opinion on it. So obviously the season is very near. We are going to have football on Thursday Right In one week, a little less than a week. Well, at this time I'm recording a little more than a week, but still very soon. Next week, there is going to be NFL football. Now, it won't be Buffalo Bills football, but it will be NFL football. So you should tune in because if you're like me, who's not just a football fan. I mean, I'm a sports fanatic. I love all sports. And we've had some more now, but... I would gladly welcome more sports and specifically NFL football. So the fact that we're going to have football starting next week, you should tune in. Pretty sure the game's at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Maybe it's 8.30 Eastern time. Either way, you should just tune in because it's NFL football. And obviously, soon enough, the Bills will be in their week one matchup. And I am excited because I think that they're going to win. I hope they're going to win. Yeah, hope they're going to win. And and I think they will. But just, yeah, the I mean, it's wild that we have football already. I feel like I've been waiting for so long, for so many months since that dreadful game against the Texans. It's nice to just have a new clean slate for the team to start all over again and just start playing. It's crazy not having preseason. I feel like I've missed football for so long because I've basically lost out on a month. And yeah, okay, preseason, the games don't matter. But the matchups, like I like to see the players and who they match up with and when they're getting snaps and who's going to make the team and all that kind of thing. So um, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that we haven't had it, but look, We got football in a week. So everyone just hang in there with me. We're going to have football very, very soon. That just leads me to my last point for, I guess I I keep calling it housekeeping, um, which is that the NFL is not having fans at many of the games. So I should clarify, it's not really the NFL making these decisions. It's 
state by state, making their own decisions. Now, it's interesting because the state of New York, where the Bills play, and the Bills are the only team in the state of New York, they are not allowing fans. At the very least, they've already announced for the two home games or the first two home games for the Bills, there will be no fans in attendance. Now, we have seen some very different rules in different states. I know for the Kansas City Chiefs, they are going to be allowed fans. I think it's going to be somewhere in the realm of 20% to 30% capacity. And I've heard a lot of podcasters talking about that it's unfair or that it's going to give an advantage to those teams. So the league should come together and not allow any fans or allow fans at every game. Like, you know, maybe across the board, they say you can have 20% attendance in every single stadium and all the states agree to that or vice versa. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, no, not vice versa, but opposite. Like you say across the board, no teams can have fans because it's an unfair advantage. To be honest, I think that's all nonsense. I think that's people reading into it. I think that's podcasters trying to create more content. They, It doesn't matter. The fans are not. These guys know how to focus with or without fans. I don't think it matters. I think it's amazing for them to have fans. I think it's exciting but come on, these guys are professionals. They're going to play their heart out no matter what. They're football players. It's a super dangerous sport. They place their lives at risk every single time they step on that field. I don't really think the fans are going to impact it. It's not that I don't think it's great for them to have fans in front of them. It's not that I don't think it doesn't pump them up. But to think that it's like an unfair advantage to have the fans versus not having... The players will get themselves going in other ways. They'll listen to music. They'll bump into each other before the game. They'll jump around. Like They'll find other ways to pump themselves up. I also believe that there's going to be crowd noise allowed to be played in the stadiums. Stadiums are all loaded with speakers. They can play fan sounds to make the players feel like there's a crowd. Honestly, they also know that there's a broadcast. They know that there's millions of fans across the world, mainly in North America, but across the world cheering them on. So I think that that's enough to get them going. Um, Should also be mentioned, they're also making a lot of money and I'm pretty sure they can find a way to pump themselves up knowing that they're getting paid a ton of money to play something they love and something that's really dangerous and that they continue to play. So I honestly don't think it's an issue. I really don't. The fact that some states are allowing fans to go to the NFL games and some aren't, I don't think it really matters. Um, It's unfortunate that as a Bills fan, I won't be able to attend any games. It's unfortunate that for a lot of you listening who would probably be attending at least a game this season or you might be season's ticket holders. Yeah, I'm sure it's, you know, it's frustrating. I'm I'm in this with you. I love going to games. I, I only go to a game or two a year. But I always go to games. I mean, I like watching on TV, to be honest. But I love going to games too. And yeah, it sucks. But the idea that this could somehow be like a disadvantage to the team, I really don't think is the case. I think this team is 
very professional, and they play hard no matter what. And if Coach McDermott tells them to play hard, they're going to play hard. So the idea that we're missing fans and that somehow could impact the Bills' season or put them at a disadvantage towards against other teams like a Kansas City Chiefs, like um, some teams in L.A., I think, or, or it might be... I don't even recall which, which stadiums, to be honest, um, that are allowing. I know New Jersey's kind of on the fence, so the Jets and Giants might have fans, but I don't think they're exactly sure where they're moving with regards to that. But the important thing here is it doesn't matter. The Bills are a good team, and if they're as good as we think they are, they're going to win games that they should win and lose games that they should lose. And whether the fans are there or not, it won't matter. It sucks to not be there, but I'm going to cheer them on from my home. So it's not so bad. Um, on to the next thing, which is our special guest. So before I bring him on, I just want to mention that this special guest is important to me. I, I, I've done this before where I like to bring someone on that's close to me and not just a sports analyst and not just a buddy. I want to bring on someone that's close to me and someone who's shared in all the Bill's memories that I've had um, throughout my childhood and now through adulthood. Um, so I want to bring on my father, Jeff, and he doesn't have Twitter or anything like that. But he is a big Bills fan, and I'm bringing him on because he's knowledgeable, and I think that he can add another element and, and bring something unique to this show. So I really hope you all enjoy it. And yeah, I mean, I look forward to bringing him on, and I, I hope that you all appreciate that I'm bringing someone on so close to me to give you an idea of where I come from and where a lot of my feelings towards the Bills come from, because Again, part of the reason I am a Bills fan is because of some of my family members. I've brought on my brother on previous episodes, Kevin, who's really the main reason I became a fan. Um, he really pushed me into becoming a Bills fan. But my father, if he never would have become a Bills fan, I doubt my brothers or myself would have ever become. So um, I'm sure I'll be having my other brother on as well at another point. His name's Kyle. But for now, I'm bringing on my dad and I hope you all really enjoy it. We have some really great topics to talk about. So just hold on a minute, moment. There's going to be a quick break and then we are going to come back and my dad is going to talk with me about the bills. So thank you for listening so far and stick around for more. Welcome back, everyone, to the Herd and Ten podcast. Hope you enjoyed that transition song. Um, as I mentioned before, I have an exciting guest to bring on. It's my father, Jeff. And I love bringing on family members because I think that they tend to think the same way that I do. And they all know the bills probably all as well as I do. My dad's been a fan for a lot longer than me. I don't think he follows them now as religiously where, you know, he's reading about them all the time, but he watches every game. He's been there for every single moment and 
he's been through both the ups and downs. So um, I'm happy to bring him on. And we're going to have a nice chat to start off about the running backs. So, um, Dad, I guess I'll start by just asking you who you think is going to lead the running backs for the Buffalo Bills. And more importantly, why is that individual going to lead um, the team? And maybe you're going to say that there's going to be a share of the workload and you're open to do that, too. So I'll, I'll leave the floor to you. Well, hello, everybody. And thanks so much, Jake, for, uh, for bringing me on as a guest. Uh, first time, long time listener. <laughs> um, you're, doing a great, you're doing a great job and a great service for the Bills. Um, I, I, I guess I've created a monster. All my, my, my long time love of the Bills has, uh, has influenced my kids. And uh, you're proof of that with your podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, this season... A lot of a lot of question marks. Um, you know, hopefully we we've got a season coming up and that can play through everything. And uh, looking at basketball, hockey, baseball, so far so good. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, another season of Go Bills. Um, although last time this year we won't be going to a game this year. We normally do, but last time this year we started off the season with uh, going to the, see the Bills in New York, um, an away game to start the season. It was a come-from-behind win. We won by, I think, one point, if I remember correctly. And uh, that, was, that was a fun way to start, start the season. Um, but New Year, hopefully we, we, we've gotten better. Um, running backs, yeah, obviously a lot to be excited about. Uh, seeing Singletary again, I do expect the workload to be shared at the running back position. I think that's McDermott's way. So unless somebody absolutely stands out, I think we've seen both with um, LaShawn McCoy, with Frank Gore, that he, he likes to um, use everybody a little bit, not work anybody too, too much. Um, Singletary not being the biggest back, obviously, you know, there's we've seen already some uh, flashes of, of great running from him. But not being the biggest back, I think um, we can expect him to have to share the load again, as he, as he did uh, last year, and um, wanting to make sure that he isn't a back that's overused or gets injured or gets worn down. Um, so I, I think we can expect more of that from McDermott. That's, that's been his... Uh, modus operandi, I think. And uh, I don't think it's a bad idea. But if, if one is hot and going great, I think he should, he should run with him. It gets frustrating when he doesn't. I mean, we've seen in the past when McCoy had, I guess, run out of a little bit of juice and when, when Frank Gore, again, you know, uh, great career, but, you know, a lot of mileage on him he still kept turning to those guys maybe a little bit longer than Bill's fans and I would have liked. So I'm hoping with two young backs, um, we don't have to have his loyalty getting in the way of just letting one of them or both of them just run as long as they're doing well and helping out Josh Allen and not forcing him to have to throw all the time. Um, I'm not sure what you're expecting. Um, if you 
sort of agree with my point of view. Um, maybe I can get your feedback on that and see if you think uh, I'm, I'm uh, in line with what you're thinking. Yeah, no, I, I think you make some valid points there. I, you know, I want to just clarify or, or mention that it really is, yeah, McDermott, but I think more importantly, it's Brian Dayball's offense. I think that he's sort of been given the reins, and unfortunately, like you said, he tends to, and, and you know, he is under McDermott in that he tends to split carries and share the workload with multiple guys. He doesn't necessarily believe in a bell cow running back. Um, I don't necessarily agree with Brian Dayball and Sean McDermott in that. I think it makes sense to have a bell cow running back, but to have a nice compliment. I think that there's a significant difference between the share of a workload and having a complimentary running back. I think that, you're probably right. I think that both with the coaching staff's belief system in sharing the workload with running backs, as well as single Terry's, probably I would say lack of size, like like you had mentioned, it's very difficult to see single Terry being a full-time running back getting 20 plus touches a game. I just don't see how he has the ability to withstand that type of punishment throughout an entire season. And most importantly, and I've said this in previous episodes, which is that if the Bills have aspirations to be a top contender in the NFL and to go to the playoffs and maybe win a game in the playoffs and you know potentially try to go for a Super Bowl, it would be very difficult to do so without Singletary being healthy. And I feel like that's going to be a focal point for the entire season, which is to make sure that our running backs are healthy. And I think you got it on point. I think that there's going to be a share. I would like it to be that Moss is the lead back and he has to share some of the touches with Singletary. I would not like to see a 50-50 split, but I also understand that's important that they stay healthy. And we've already seen, and I'll, you know, I'll sort of transition to the next part of this running back discussion, which is the running backs already have injuries. We already have seen that Taiwan Jones, who's, I guess, right now, sort of the fourth running back and really mainly a special teams player, but he can be relied upon as a running back if our other running backs are down and he's already having knee troubles. So I guess the challenge here is the season hasn't even begun and we're already seeing that injuries could be a problem. And obviously Taiwan Jones isn't a crucial piece in the backfield, but it's worth noting that running backs get injured very easily. And like you said, if you don't take care of them, if you don't, you know, um, take care of the body and not, you know, put them out there and leave them with 25 touches a game. They're, you know, they're not going to stay healthy. So you need to make sure that that doesn't happen. And I think it's just interesting that we've already had an injury. And, you know, I would say that Zach Moss and Devin Singletary are really good. But outside of those two running backs, we don't really have a lot. You know, we have TJ Yeldon and I'll let you 
talk a little bit about Yeldon and whether you think he's even going to make the team this year or not, just based on, I guess, his lack of production and his ongoing fumbling issues. He's had fumbling issues before, and he also just isn't that good of a running back. So does it make sense to keep a guy like Yeldon where you know what you're getting, which is sort of mediocre production, or do you take a chance on an undrafted free agent such as Antonio Williams, who the Bills, I should mention, cut and now have re-signed, meaning they obviously feel like he might be able to make the team. And, you know, that this is a few days before cut day. Cut day's on Saturday, and we're recording this a little bit before um, this episode's released on Friday. But it's worth noting that at this moment in time, Antonio Williams is on the team, and he has a legitimate shot to beat out TJ Yeldon for the third spot. So I guess I'm hoping to get your take on that. Well, um, it's a little bit different this year, obviously, because a lot of these decisions would have been made with preseason games. Um, this We would have been heading towards probably the last preseason game at this point, just before the season. We would have had gotten a look at them. The coaches would have in, in a, a little more game, real game situations. Um, so we don't have the benefit of that this year, but we'll have to rely on their on their um, vision for the team and what they're seeing in practice. Um, we may have to just play it by ear during the first few games, being without the preseason, and see who stands out. They might have to give everybody a little bit of an opportunity because of, because of it. Obviously, we have an idea of what Yeldon is. I don't think that's their first choice. He'll be brought in just as a... Um, if, if there are any kinds of injuries or if anybody's banged up, um, it remains to be seen, you know, what Zach Moss is. You know, it's always, it's always a guessing game moving from college to the NFL. You know, these guys come in as some of the best players, um, uh, you know, across America. Um, but what actually happens when they step into an NFL situation um, over a number of games, the season, the long haul, no one ever ever knows. Um, particularly in a game that's now more, and has been for a long time, pass-oriented, where running backs aren't looked at as, as important as quarterbacks, receivers. Um, so um, with the emphasis away from running backs, um, we'll have to just see them in gameplay and see how much they want to rely on their running backs or whether they're going to just let Josh Allen pass. I mean, obviously we're expecting big things now that we've added Stefan Diggs, um, you know, to, to Brown and the rest of the receiving core. Um, and, you know, and another, I mean, Zach Moss is a bigger running back. So you have to a little bit bigger than, than Singletary. So you have to expect that he may get some more touches if he, proves to be a durable, good running back who can run up the middle, doesn't have to rely on going off to the sides, um, he may get, like you, you, know, you were talking about, you don't see a 50-50 split. It might be the 60-40 split with, you know, with him, him getting the bigger share of it because he's a little bit bigger back. He's the unknown quantity at this point, and they, they're going to want to see what he can do in a game. If he can bring his college career and keep it going and bring them into the NFL. The other thing is there's always a chemistry between 
the offensive line and the running backs. And we, it remains to be seen if they have the chemistry between them to open up the holes for their running backs and to let's see if, if they've got the chemistry that lets us have the dynamic uh, you know, uh, running game um, that we hope can complement you know, a Josh Allen who will take, we hope, another great step in his career. He's taken a few of them already and help him um, to distribute the ball to our new receivers, um, the great receivers we already have. And um, that, that's the hope for this, uh, for this coming season. So I, I think we'll need to see a few games to see where our rookie running back is, to see where our, our young Singletary is, and um, and we'll we'll go from there. I, I think it's really hard to predict at, at this point. We haven't had preseason, and even if we had, it's really hard to know because obviously preseason is preseason. You're often having first stringers playing second stringers and so forth. So you never quite know what what people are capable of, and coaches are holding back on 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 real game decisions. So we we shall wait and see, but. Uh, it's exciting every year, you know, to see what we've got on the team and what the rookies will do and what we can put together and what and what uh, chemistry will come together and what we've got. And uh, hopefully we we take another step or two forward with our offense because our defense was right there and we assume it will continue to do that, if not get better. But we have to uh, we do have to take a step forward with our offense. Obviously, that's were some of the, the Bills' biggest shortcomings. And let's hope that someone like a Zach Moss, some, some new faces on the uh, offensive line, let's see uh, if they can help take away a little bit of the pressure off, uh, off Josh Allen so that he can, he can have you know, some more open looks you know, with the threat of a running game as well and, and get the ball to, to Brown, to, to Diggs, and so forth. So. Um, looking forward to that. Yeah, I think you you make a couple interesting points that I want to talk about, which is one, Antonio Williams being a undrafted free agent, and like you mentioned, not having preseason, it's going to be very difficult for him to prove himself and prove that he can be more reliable than T.J. Yeldon, who may not be a particularly good running back, but at the very least, he's a veteran and he's done this before and you at least know what you're getting. With Antonio Williams, you don't necessarily know what you're getting. Now, I personally would prefer the Bills take that risk just because I know what DJ Yeldon is and I don't think that that's good enough. I think that if you had Zach Moss and or Devin Singletary go down with a serious injury, I don't think the Bills... And I don't think, well, I know I would not be comfortable with TJ Yeldon stepping into a significant role in the backfield. And because of that, I don't think it makes sense to keep a guy. If you're not confident that he can be the next man up, he does not belong. Even if he's a third string, even if it was a worst case scenario and the odds of that happening, you know, the odds of Zach Moss and Devin Singletary going down or at least one of them going down for significant time, then you can't have him. It doesn't make sense to keep a guy that you're not confident in. So the Bills organization might be confident in them. 
although I would question their confidence because they've now brought back an undrafted free agent who's a, who they cut just a few weeks ago, um, which tells me something. It tells me that they're not content with the bottom end of that backfield. They're not content with TJ Yeldon and Taiwan Jones, and they want to still have another option in case they get into a situation where they need to bring another guy up. And mm-hmm. for that reason, I feel like they need to keep Antonio Williams, even if it means keeping him as an extra player for the first couple of weeks. Like you talked about, we were going to need a couple of weeks to make that decision. And if we have to keep Antonio Williams as an extra guy and give up another spot, I'd be willing to do that. You know, I feel like the running back position is one of those spots that you can never have enough. It's like the cornerbacks. You can never have enough because they're always getting injured. So to me, carrying an extra running back, even for the first, we'll say, two weeks of the NFL season, just to see if Antonio Williams has enough, it might allow us to make that decision and then cut TJ Eldon and save some money. So I feel like that is the best way to go about it. Um, and that sort of responds to one part and one interesting thing that you noted. But there's another thing that you talked about, which is really the chemistry between the offensive line and running backs. And I feel like a lot of people don't think of that. And for all of you listeners, you might not think of that either, or you do. So, you know, sh- shout out to me. Send me a message on Twitter. Let me know that you're on the same page as us, that you understand that that is a significant piece to the puzzle. And with new offensive linemen on the roster now, and more importantly, having a new running back like Zach Moss, who I should mention runs very differently than Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary, I would say, takes a little more time, is slightly more patient when he's hitting his holes. And like my dad had mentioned, or you know, he tends to try to shift to the outside because of his small stature. And because of that, that's going to change the way the offensive line protects for him and how quickly they push forward and try to open up holes. Whereas you have a guy like Zach Moss, who's more of a downhill running back, which means he's hitting the holes a lot quicker. And that chemistry is going to really matter when you're making a decision of which running back should be carrying the load down the road, you know, down the stretch of the NFL season. So I think that that's something that is going to play a significant part in which running back takes the lead. Obviously, like I've mentioned, I think Zach Moss should take the lead. But if we see that the offensive line is, you know, a little is a little too slow to get their push and to get that gap open for Zach Moss, it actually might be that Devin Singletary is a better fit for this particular offensive line and their scheme. So I like that you brought that up because I think that that's something that's really going to matter when you have two running backs that run two completely different styles. So I do think that's an interesting thing. And I think it's something that we're going to have to look at the first few weeks because, again, like you said, we haven't had preseason. So we really don't know what they're doing. And 
I have a few sources that I talk to and get some, you know, insights into what's going on at camp. And obviously just watching the news and going on Twitter, you get a little bit, but it's so restricted now that we really don't know what's going on. We really don't know what's working and not working a practice. And it's going to be interesting to see after the first couple of weeks, what's working, what's not, and how they actually move forward with that. And that, I think to me probably ends the running back talk, unless you have some extra additions that you want it, that you want to talk about. Um, but at least for me on my side, I think that's sort of where I'm at with the running backs and that's how I feel about them right now. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just add a, a few things. Um, the first thing is we might see one of the backs emerge as our third down back. You know, uh, it's always it's always a crucial part of the team that when you have third and one, third and two, we've seen enough Bills games over the years that when you can't get that one or two yards and have a back that you can rely on to to gain the short yardage, to hold on to the ball um, and continue the drive, um, all the you know all the throwing in the world doesn't doesn't help. And so it remains to be seen if we have a back who can be our third down back. It might be our lead back. Um, it's always nice. It's always nice when it is. And um, so, but, and, and again, it comes, it does come down to more than just the, the running back. It comes down to the, the, the line in front of them. Um, you know, there's, there's a reason why running backs often buy gifts for their offensive linemen, because when they're, when they're protecting them and giving the push, I mean, I'm sure if when you know I hear Thurman Thomas on on 550 all the time, when you hear him talk about how his line, um, you know, uh, were so important to him, and th that goes for any other Hall of Fame back and any other back for that matter, it's it's a very big uh, part of the game, and we'll we'll see if we can establish something between the two, so that we do have a uh, efficient running game, and third down is a crucial thing because how many times we see um, drives get stalled just when we need one or two yards and you need it from a running back and you don't want to have to rely on a throw. So uh, it remains to be seen if one of our backs, because we don't have the large, we don't really have the large sort of full back to give that push. So it remains to be seen if Moss or Singletary can be that back as well to have someone that we can rely on um, for that, and uh, I think that's, uh, and uh, you know, I guess the other thing I should probably add is, I think we all had moments of fresh frustration with Dayball um, over some play calls, I guess you do with all, all offensive coordinators, um, but so it remains to be seen how he works with some of the new players he has, with some of the, the new team, you know, the new chemistry we have on the team and see if he can get the play calls to fit the guys that we have on the team this year and to uh, get the right play calls at the right time to throw when we need to, to run when we need to. And um, so, yeah, on, on the running back issue, let, let's, let's get the season started and, uh, and see what we've got, see what, what the rookie can do. Let's see what Singletary can bring, uh, for this for this next season yeah i think i think it's uh it's really just we want football 
I, I know all of the listeners listening now, you just Go want Cubs. football. It you know, <laughs> doesn't matter who plays or how many touches they get, you want football. And we want it too. And you know, I noted in the first segment that we're gonna have football in about a week. We are gonna have football. Now it won't be Buffalo Bills football, that will be a little over the, a week, but still we will have NFL football in a week. So just hang tight a little longer and we can finally stop making predictions and speculations and we can actually have football that we can watch. You know, Jake, let me give you at this point a, a, let me give a little shout out, not to a person, but to a movie that I just recently watched that's called Buffaloed. Um, I had heard about this movie a, um, a little while ago and was excited for it to come out because I heard it took place in Buffalo. The, uh, obviously, it's in the title, Buffaloed, um, about a young woman um, struggling to make ends meet in, in Buffalo. And I didn't know exactly what it's about, or, uh, but I, I had a chance to watch, watch it recently. It stars uh, a young actress, Zoe Deutsch, and um, it helped uh, feed the need for uh, wanting a little more football than we've had. There's been no preseason. I'm excited for the game. Obviously, we were without sports of any kind for months. Finally, we're getting some now with the NHL and the NBA uh, playoffs and so on. Um, and uh, it's worth watching, if for no other reason, that how many times do you get to watch a movie that makes references all over the place, not only towards Buffalo, um, a city that we love because it, it, it's a border town with us here in Toronto. Um, it's our closest NFL team, which is why we've, why I became a fan when I was a young kid and why I instilled that love onto you and your brothers. And, um, and a film that um, makes lots of references to the Buffalo Bills. They even in one point, at one point, um, sit in a box watching a Bills game. So it's worth watching the movie for any Bills fans, fans out there, for Buffalo fans. It's worth just uh, watching the movie just to see um, shout outs to the Buffalo Bills in a movie. And um, it's not a football movie per se, but the, there's people wearing Buffalo Bills clothing and memorabilia. And uh, it's, just, it's just great to see that. And I was excited um, for both Buffalo and as a big fan of Buffalo, being in the southern Ontario area, um, you might want to check out that movie Buffalo. Um, I don't have a vested interest in it. I just like seeing, um, you know, Buffalo being referred to because it doesn't always get the play or the talk that we want. Um, being probably, you know, a, a smaller, a smaller city, um, uh, we we love when when there's some Bills talk and when there's references to the Bills, and I was I was very excited to hear that, and which is why I tried the movie out in the first place. Yeah, for for sure, we we don't have any plugins here. Okay, we keep it real. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome to you know I haven't watched it yet. I, I'm definitely gonna check it out. It's funny. I, Although I'm not from Buffalo and you know my father's not from Buffalo, I feel like I should be from Buffalo. I feel so connected. So 
I'm excited to watch a movie like that because I want to just feel like I'm a part of that city and the bills are everything to me. So I feel like I am a part of Buffalo, but it's nice to see a movie sort of place yourself in it um, for a couple hours. So I'm excited to check that out and, and feel like I'm back in Buffalo, even though I'm not probably going to be able to go there because uh, unfortunately there's probably going to be no fans or at least to start the season. So I think it's going to be difficult for us to get down there and, and see a game, but it'll be nice to just watch a movie and feel like I'm there, even if it's just for a couple hours. Um, but I just want to talk about one more bills topic because this of course is a bills podcast and, but it's, but it's also a, a lifestyle podcast, right? So Oh, I appreciate you you talking about uh, some other stuff going on with Buffalo and whether it's a movie, which I don't think is so common to have a movie that's not only called Buffaloed, but that it's about Buffalo and has tons of Bills references. So, and don't worry, listeners, if you're a Bills fan, sorry, sorry, Jake, to interrupt. It. It, and don't worry, Buffalonians, the movie references uh, Buffalo Wings as well. So you don't have to worry about them forgetting about that. They know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, look, if, if you're from Buffalo or you're a Bills fan, I think you'll probably like it. I know we were talking bef- before we jumped on this call here that you got to get blue cheese dip, I believe. So um, that's definitely referenced in the movie as well. So it's worth noting. But um, I just I want to talk about the kicking situation because i think it's interesting and i don't think it's over and even if this is the lineup we go with into the season i still think there could be a change during the season and i think a lot of you are going to think i'm referencing kicker or rookie kicker tyler bass i'm actually not because that decision is clear uh steven hauschka just didn't have the same leg anymore and you know we've talked about this dad um, multiple times where we just weren't happy with Hauschka anymore. He was making a pretty large chunk of money for a kicker in the NFL, and he wasn't performing at the level that he was performing when we first brought him in. And um, Tyler Bass came in. Yeah, he wasn't the same since his injury. I mean, you know, you got, Hauschka was great, obviously. Long, great career. But uh, the leg strength obviously became an issue. It became noticeable, and uh, he just wasn't the same. And and um, we're sorry to you know we're, we're sorry. Well, we're I'm sure we're all sorry to see him go, but uh, I think it it was time. So um, he was great while it lasted. It's funny you say that. It's funny you say that. I'm not sad to see him go. I didn't <laughs> like him. Um, I liked him for about one season, and then I had it. You give a guy an extension for a few million dollars to kick a ball, I, I, I think ridiculous. And some of, some of you listeners might hate that I just said that, but I, I'm not. I'm not sad to see him go. He's old, and he's not that good anymore. And when you look statistically, I think his kicking percentage was like around, I think it was 78 or 78.2%. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, send me a message if I'm wrong, but I think it's somewhere around that range. And that's uh, pretty low. That's definitely not in the upper echelon. So for me, I'm happy that we've moved on. I think we made the right decision. We saved money. 
And we went with a young kicker who management drafted. And I trust this management. I've said it multiple times every episode. I really trust this management. And if they believe in Tyler Bass, then I believe in Tyler Bass. And I think that everyone should. And But what I really want to talk about is not that. It's the punting situation. I don't think Corey Bajorquez is good enough. Just to pull a couple stats here, Corey Bajorquez was in the bottom tier of punters when you look at some statistics. So just noting here, Bajorquez was number 30 in gross punting average at 41.9 and net punting average at 37.7. He also kicked more touchbacks than anyone else in the league. He had six touchbacks and I understand and there's some other statistics that refer to where was he actually punting from but to me a a key metric there is the touchbacks you should not be leading the league in touchbacks I don't care where you're punting from you should have the accuracy as a punter when that's all you do you should be able to pinpoint and at least not lead the league in touchbacks and that to me is a huge concern and you know, the Bills had brought in Lachlan Edwards, I believe it's pronounced Lachlan, and now they've caught him, and they're clearly going with Corey Borges. But like I said at the beginning of this, is I'm not convinced that Borges will be the punter for the entire season. I think that we're going to see some changes during the season. Look, I hope that's not the case. I hope Borges is good enough this year to be an NFL punter and is good enough that we don't need to make a change. But I would not be surprised if Bohorquez sees himself out on the street, not in an NFL roster within the first month of the season. I just, if he doesn't perform, I feel like the Bills will make a quick change. I don't think this management is afraid to make a change. And I feel like they need to be really highly considering making a change. And you know, Dad, you, you can jump in here and, and let me know your thoughts. And if you're a fan of Bohorquez, maybe you don't agree with me, and that's okay. I'm not sure. I wonder, I, I, I haven't looked. Um, obviously, the I guess the gold standard for the Bills it would be Brian Moorman, um, you know, for all his years with, with the Bills and a, just a terrific kicker. And I'm wondering, I mean, it's early for Bohorquez, obviously, but I'm wondering how they're early stats compare if there's any similarity so that if we can expect Bohorquez maybe to, uh, you know, to progress, get better. Uh, I mean, it, it is very early on. I don't know how Mormon was when he started. Um, I just, you know, I don't remember the details. I mean, because sometimes you just don't really pay attention to punting and kicking so much unless, you know, mistakes are made and they miss things. Um, so I, I can't, I can't do a stats comparison, I'm not a stats guy anyways, but, um, I'm just curious if, you know, uh, I guess you can easily look that up, but, um, again, maybe we can see if, uh, you know, you obviously don't have a great feeling about what you've seen so far from Bajorquez and, uh, but, but maybe, um, you know, uh, in time, things could get better. Maybe he's, he matches up with some good kickers that we've had or others have had. I don't know where he sits with that. I, I honestly, it's, it's, I find it hard to assess kicking games. Um, it's probably the, the, the thing we pay least attention to on football teams. 
which may be not the, the best idea since, you know, uh, field position with punters and, and um, obviously field goal kicking and extra points are, are huge and, and, and amount to an enormous amount of points over, over the course of a season and can, can make the difference. I referenced before the first game of the season last year that we went to. One of the reasons we won that first game in, against the Jets in New York is that I remember their kicker, whose name I don't, I don't remember the kicker's name. I think he missed both a field goal and an extra point in the game we saw. And that helped us to win a very close game. It was a come from behind win for us. Um, if he makes the, that extra point, if he makes that, that field goal, uh, we probably don't win the game. So obviously it's a big deal, but it's not the most glamorous part of football. So we don't concentrate on it. It's, it's certainly not something I know a whole lot about. Um, again, I'm, I, I don't know if you've had a chance to look or you know, uh, how does Bohorkas uh, match up with others or with Mormon from the Bills past? Where does he sit with Yeah, that? no, um, I think that's a good question because I guess, yeah, Brian Mormon is probably, if not gold standard, he's at least a top tier punter that, or one of the, one of the best punters the Bills have ever had. And, you know, just stats aside, let's forget about stats for a moment. It's worth noting that Brian Mormon made the Pro Bowl multiple times in his career and was an All-Pro. So even, you know, I think that you don't need stats to even prove that. The fact of the matter is, Bohorquez has never been even close to a Pro Bowl and certainly not All-Pro. So that's worth noting. Um, Bohorquez also is averaging around, I think, 41-point-something yards per punt. Mormon, across his entire career, averaged over 40. And I think, to me, and, and you know, I think obviously it should be noted that it depends on what position you're in every time you're punting. But right, at right. the very least, it should be noted that Mormon's leg was so much bigger like Mormon's long, I think his career was close to 80 yards. Okay. Borges is long is in the sixties. Like to me, that, that is enough already. The fact that he's been to the Pro Bowl multiple times was an all pro kicker and has a significantly bigger leg. That to me is more than enough. Not to mention Brian Mormon had moments where he played quarterback. So you know, that's, that's obviously true. something separate. And I'm not it's looking to compare Bohorquez and Brian Mormon, but I think it's reasonable right. to say Bohorquez is not a particularly good punter. And there's a reason the Bills brought in Lachlan Edwards when they did. Now they ended up cutting him, but they obviously are not convinced that Bohorquez is an amazing punter because you wouldn't even bother bringing someone else into challenge for the role. So, for me, I just and, – and it's not that I really hate Bohorquez. I don't. I just don't think he's good enough for a team that – and I've said this before. For a team that has aspirations to not only you know maybe win a division but win at least one playoff game, you have to make sure that all phases of the game or all phases of your team 
have the best players possible. And I don't think Bajorquez is the best player possible that the Bills could have as a punter. I, I'm wondering, I, I, just logistics, um, obviously, I'm wondering how, how the league is going to handle, how teams are going to handle uh, player movement, <clears throat> whether it's moving players from the practice squad, reserves, trades. I'm wondering in this sort of COVID time, how exactly that's going to be coordinated. Will there, will there be time lags so that if you need a player or if a trade is made, <clears throat> are there going to be time lags because the player has to quarantine or something like that? So um, I, I guess uh, I'm not sure if any of us know the answer to that yet. I'm not sure if the league you know, has any protocols quite in place because things can't move around as easily as they would in a, in a you know, so-called normal season. So uh, I guess that remains to be seen. Because to, to your point, if Bajorquez isn't the answer, um, you know, where are we going to find someone else? Where is that other person going to come from? Are they going to come from within our organization? Are there some extra player reserves. I don't know all the rules in place for this year because of injuries and having extra players. I imagine we there are there are they've allowed they're allowing extra players so that there is less movement and you can get players from within. Um, so, but I'm just so I'm just kind of throwing it out there. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, how that exactly will work if we have to turn to other teams, um, free agents, trades. Um, so that if we if we do find ourselves in trouble, either with our kicker in Tyler Bass or with Bajorquez, I'm wondering, uh, you know, how exactly that's going to work logistically. Yeah, so I know that the practice squads are going to have extra spots that it's actually going to be interesting. These extra spots can be given to anyone, meaning Normally speaking, you can't place any player you want on the practice squad, plus they would have to clear waivers. What you're actually going to have is you're actually going to be able to protect a handful of players and place them on your practice squad, and they could be a veteran. They could be a player that's been making $10 million a year. They can be fully protected, and I believe they can be placed on your practice squad without needing to clear waivers, I believe. Obviously, a standard practice squad player needs to clear waivers, but I believe there's going to be a select few that are going to be almost veteran spots where you can protect that guy and then obviously bring him up as you please. And I think that that's you know, worth noting because maybe it's worth picking up a guy now and stashing him on the practice squad. And if we need him, then you don't have to deal with, you know, maybe there's going to be quarantine or not. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would say probably you're not going to need quarantining. Um, as far as I know, you're allowed to, to travel, I believe state to state, not to mention these are NFL players. So for the most part, they're, you know, tr they're not traveling commercial airlines right they're traveling private so they're generally quite protected so i don't actually think there's going to be a huge impact there i think the bigger impact is going to be a lot of teams are going to stash good players on their practice squad that are going to be protected so there might be more difficulty in grabbing players that would normally sort of be floating around waiting in free agency and and you know to be picked up off waivers and i think that that's probably going to be more restrictive 
So um, I guess it'll be a little more difficult to do that. So, and that's another thing, you know, I'm a little concerned because if I don't believe in Bohorquez, then, you know, is it going to be easy to get another guy? And maybe it's not, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it's going to be difficult. So, you know, I just figured it's, it's worth us noting at least the kicking situation is not locked and loaded. I think Tyler Bass is locked and loaded from what I've seen and heard of camp. He is apparently being lights out. So I'm not too concerned, but I am concerned about Bohorquez because I've seen him for multiple years and he has never been particularly good. He's always been mediocre. So that's where my concern is. But um, I think at this point that probably covers quite a bit. I, I feel like we could speak for a lot longer and, you know, talk about everything, but um, you know, we, let we me, don't have all day. Let me add something for your listeners, you know, to, to close this out uh, before, before you close it, close it out, your podcast. Um, let me tell you something about our loyalty to the Bills. Jake, when you were, uh, I want to tell him, when Jake was a, a young boy and I took him to, to a Bills game um, in Orchard Park, uh, Ralph Wilson Stadium, um, it was a very cold day that day. Now, there are plenty of times. I don't want everybody to think it's always cold or snowy in Buffalo or Toronto, for that matter. But because there are we've been to lots of games where it's hot and sunny and beautiful. But on this on this day, many years ago, when he was young, it was so cold that I took my winter coat off to put it on Jake. He already had his winter coat on, but he it was so cold. I, I thought he needed two coats to stay in there. And just to tell you something about our loyalty, it says something about my loyalty. We were happy to sit through that game, and I was perfectly happy to sit there without a coat because we were watching our Bills play. And Jake, one coat, two coats, it didn't matter. There was no way he was leaving that game either. So I just wanted to let you guys know something about uh, our love for our, for our football team. And then I'll yeah, no, it's Jake. No, it's it's a good story, and and I tell I tell you all that I'm a diehard fan, and I'm sure a lot of you are just as diehard or even crazier than me. So that's fine. Look, I don't jump through tables, but I'm willing to sit out in the freezing cold to watch my Buffalo Bills. So um, <laughs> I, I appreciate you bringing up that story because yeah, I, th- I think it shows our my dedication, our dedication, especially to a team that's not in our home city. We do have to travel to get there. But um, no, I, I appreciate you coming on. I think this was a lot of fun. I think that um, you brought up some really good points that I hadn't thought of. And I think it gave us a nice discussion. And yeah, I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope that at least this gives you some idea of where the running back situation is at and where the kicking situation is at and where it's going to be at in a few weeks. Um, And yeah, you know, let's get ready for an amazing season. And with just a little over a week away, we will have Buffalo's Bills football. So again, thank you, Dad, so much for coming out. And I'm sure we'll have you back because you love the Bills and you love to talk about them. So thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this long episode. I really, really appreciate it. And look, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please review it. 
click five stars, give me that five stars. It will help me in the rankings. It will help me for SEO. So please, and go check it out on BICBP-radio.com. You know, there's a lot of other stuff out there. So um, we're happy to be a part of that amazing network. And again, if you agree or disagree with anything that I said or my dad said, send me a message on Twitter at NFL or at HerdN10 on Twitter or Facebook. So thank you so much. And thank you, Dad, for coming out. Thanks for having me. Uh, this was so much fun. Nice to talk some football and nice to talk to you about it. Thanks for having me again. Get in here. We got to call this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys. Here's the situation. Two minutes left. Zero timeouts. Down by a touchdown. We got to drive 75 yards. All right. We could do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick, did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. So what's the play? Just, all right, just, come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody, all right? Come on, on three. Ready, set, mother Delay of game, offense. Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast, a show about the Vancouver Canucks, but not just about the Canucks. Join myself and Ted Wong every single week for a seriously unserious chat about hockey, questionable food takes, we sprinkle in some dad jokes, and keep you updated on shows that ended well over 10 years ago, like Breaking Bad. Seriously, Ted, when are you going to be done watching that? We bring in guests on the regular, like former NHLers, head coaches, and even that guy that pulled off the Michigan. Yep. Mike Lake. Check out our cool swag on our Instagram and Twitter feeds, and if you're lucky, we might just give away the odd prize or two. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, and on deanblundell.com slash podcast, and hopefully, your headphones. It'll be the second best thing you do today, you know, after that cup of coffee. It is your favorite girl. That's right, it's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate.